Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling, maybe. No, it's so nice to meet you today. It's a pleasure, pleasure, Laura. Really nice to be able to organize this session. I'm really excited to talk about marketing operations, down-to-earth stuff that people usually either overlook or deliberately like forget <laughs> to implement in their operations. Noah. I'm really excited to meet you today. At when before the show we spoke about, you said it feels like I've known you forever. And in startup years, it's like like more than dog years. <laughs> so I'm so excited to speak with you today because you have been a follower, a person that we really, really respect in the market as well, working with our clients too. So real quick, an intro of you, Noah. Thanks, Laura. Yeah, hi, guys. I'm Gals. I'm Noah. Um, I'm the founder and managing partner at Checkpoint Go-To-Market. We're basically a boutique go-to-market consultancy. We focus on companies in their seed through Series C, basically helping with everything operational, strategy, coaching, enablement, you name it. Um, I've worked with Laura on a couple of Dream Data projects, basically started off in marketing attribution and then worked my way into the rest of RevOps. Amazing. It's a world that is a puzzle for a lot of people and a lot of companies, really. And we're going to speak about those five hard learned lessons about marketing operations. So the lessons that we're going to talk about, did you make those mistakes yourself, Noah? There might be some spelling and grammar mistakes in there. Uh, Patricia may or may not have uh, edited it uh, when I wrote it. I was in the middle of actually playing golf uh, when I wrote it. So apologies. apologies. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> but, but we are going to talk about the mistakes that marketing operations usually do. Do make. When picking it off. But when working with your clients, so what I hear you say is you work with a little bit larger corporations, which means that it's not just the startup, just kicking off everything. So where in the process do you usually come in when working with clients? Definitely. Yeah. I would actually say like anything below like 150 million ARR is like my sweet spot. So like a lot of my clients are, have marketing budgets between, you know, like 10 K a month to like 200 K a month in like spend at the end of the day. So it's actually more of like the smaller side of things. And so these are lessons that I've learned just basically through like seeing people coming to me with nothing <laughs> and then yeah. having to set it up from scratch or people coming with like semi-mature processes and then us having to then go in and like fix the little things in it. Absolutely. And why do you feel that this is the sweet spot for you to come in and help them out with operations? Yeah, I'd say it's really just that this is kind of like my passion at the end of the day, really like those like building those like small companies and getting them into like that revenue generation and that sustainable growth is kind of like what I love in my career at the end of the day. When you're like working at a larger company and with larger companies, like they generally have all of those processes set up at the end of the day. And so my joy is in like helping those like smaller guys actually, you know, get it all together and get it working. Don't fail. Don't fail. Huh? <laughs> Here's a plan. Yeah, exactly. We can do it together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's start from the first one. What do you see as the first mistake that people should avoid making? Do I have to go in order? Because I'd say actually no. the first one might be... Okay, good. Because the first one's probably like the last one. And then we're going to uh, couple off the order. That sounds good. 
I would say like the first thing is to like have like clean data entering your system. That's like the big thing that I see like most often, especially at smaller companies. It's really that people just throw data in and then they use it in that moment and they know how they're using it in that moment. But then when they return to it a year or two later, it's just, it's bad data. And so I've seen it where people, you know, they don't know if it, it was an inbound lead that they imported, if it was an outbound lead that they were optimizing on, they have no clue <laughs> years down the line. And so I just say like, make sure that, you know, you're, you're understanding like where your information's coming from. And when you import it into your CRM for marketing uses, you know, that you actually then like can see that in the future. So always like from the very beginning, clean data. <laughs> and when you're seeing put that in the right way in the system. So, okay, a lead is a lead. Where do you mark it that this came from one source or the other? So you know it for the future. Depends on the CRM, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, in HubSpot, it would be like original source and original source type would be kind of like the two fields there. In Salesforce, it's, I think, just lead source at the end of the day. And that converts into deal source later on in the deal cycle. They're very standard fields in the CRM. And it's really like the backbone of like, you know, very basic data entry and data quality at the end of the day. Very nice. And if now I'm a company who has this messy data and it's like, oh my God, what do I do with this? So is there a possibility to go back and at least fix a little bit of the gaps? Yeah, sometimes. Um, I have to deal with this sometimes with some of my clients and it can be a lot of like head scratching to figure out how to do it. Like in a, a good example of this is like in, in HubSpot, if you just import data and it's just like an email and the phone number, it'll let you do that. But uh, but you don't, all you have then is like the name of like the lead list at the end of the day or that you imported on. And so you have to do like some deep diving. And if that data is really old, you're, you can be in a little bit of trouble at the end of the day. Um, so just chasing down the people that imported the data and asking them where did this come from is probably your, your best case. Otherwise, guessing and then kind of also digging into the analytics of that client. Like maybe they're actually doing some touches with you at the end of the day and you're, oh, like, you know, maybe you can figure out through that if they were inbound or outbound at the end of the right. day. And we've got a question along with that as well. Any personal best practices you swear by to ensure the quality of the data in the CRM is good? Yeah, I would just say like having those required fields for like lead source, like making sure that you have a really good import template in place to say like, hey, you know, like this is how I want the data to enter every single time is going to be like the best thing that you can possibly do for your data quality. So, you know, choose those fields very early on. And if you don't choose them, then like define them immediately and then start using them so that you can then like kind of have that as like your core, you know? Like it's not, there's a lot of fields in these CRMs, like Salesforce, I think has hundreds of native fields, HubSpot the same. And really like you wanna pick those like 10 that you're going to use for tracking and reporting, especially when it comes to marketing attribution and attribution in general. Yeah, very cool. So thank you for this one. What's the second one on your list after the clean data entering the systems? We're gonna go with, we're gonna go with number two. Yeah, <laughs> and that is, uh, yeah, and that's uh, having an inbound outbound flag is the key to understanding your early funnel. Uh, I get so many people that just, they want to know how much to spend on marketing. They want to know how much to spend on their inside sales team. And without an understanding of what's coming inbound into your funnel and what's going out of your funnel, you can't do that at the end of the day. And so really like that very simple designation, like it's great. It's really, it's amazing if you can understand, you know, if it's coming from Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. But at the end of the day, we need to understand, is it coming from marketing or is it coming from sales? And so having that distinction very clearly is like the most, the best thing that you can possibly do. 
And I can tell you also too, that the CRMs also don't come with that natively. So you have to really set that up and figure out, you know, either through workflows or through formula fields, how to actually achieve that. All right. And any best practices on setting up those fields like for, if you're just kicking off your operations and you want to make sure that having those flags right in the places. So we do that well from the start. What are the good practices? Yeah, really just understanding what channels you're using and what going back to the first point, making sure that in the imports you're designated that that original lead source or that lead source in Salesforce, just making sure that you understand, okay, like, is this something that I have, you know, acquired through like searching on LinkedIn and I'm going to outbound to them? Or is it something that came in through like a form fill at the end of the day or a webinar, you know, attendee list? Right. And what will that help you in the future? Because now we're coupling the two clean CRM data and inbound outbound. It helps you know where you're, where you're getting your leads from, first of all. <laughs> so are you getting them from marketing? Or are you getting them from sales? And then it can help you kind of figure out where to do that spend. Like, you know, as a sales leader, or as like a leader of a company, you can understand, okay, like, is it, am I getting most of my leads from my inbound funnel or is it coming from this outbound sales approach? And where are the gaps and where do I want to go? Generally speaking, I mean, it depends on the company, but like, Ideally, you'd want like maybe like 70, 50, or I mean, you could tell me, Laura, which you, which you like more, but in terms of inbound versus outbound, but you know, 70, 30, 50, 50, like you want to understand like what these, what these ratios are in terms of, in terms of that. And then to optimize based off of like, you know, what's costing you less money at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, ask yeah. me, I like zero to hundred and the hundred is <laughs> inbound. <laughs> no, only <just> inbound, <laughs> <laughs> only inbound, nothing else. As long as you've got the rest in place, like quality marketing bookings that are coming in through, well, <laughs> what's not to like, but at the same what's time, like if you work in the realms of predictive revenue, then you definitely set up a lot of outbound, you know how to scale and so on. And for marketing, it takes longer time for you to set it all up to figure out how do I predict stuff coming up from marketing. So inbound mm -hmm. should be predictable, but it's in a lot of companies, it still feels that it is not. What do you think? I completely agree. I think that at the end of the day, marketing is kind of like, to a lot of people, a black box, um, right? Like we're talking about the basics right now, like, you know, simple things, but to even to get to that next level of understanding, you know, what these channels are and how they're impacting revenue and how to optimize on them, that can be very difficult for marketers starting out. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what a lot of companies do like outbound. Yeah. I can scale. I, I, hire yeah. I mean, even then, yeah, even then in this market, in this, like the market conditions we have right now, it's difficult to outbound, you know, like the pitches are changing, like AI is changing how people do email. Like there's a lot of different headwinds and outbound as well that are making it a huge challenge for people as well. And the problem or the positive thing, depending on where you are on, on the buying cycle side is that people want to buy without salespeople being involved. And if somebody reaches out to you, offering you something saying, okay, 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 sounds interesting. I might not even respond, but go back and see what you've written and people see about you and then go back to the salesperson or come inbound again. So it's like, try to yeah, predict exactly. that. <laughs> yeah, this is why I love product-led growth. Like just having sales cycles without salespeople, like, and then having the salespeople when it's necessary, of course. Uh, but really product-led growth is just such a dream in that way where it just makes it so simple and so easy to have that sales cycle for a great inbound funnel at the end of the day. Absolutely.
it was crazy scary for me when we opened up the product and say, okay, so salespeople out, product in. <laughs> it's like, ah, it yeah. depends. It depends. I'm still here. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure you guys are still there. I'm sure you, your jobs change like a little bit, right? But you have all these better enablement tools at the end of the day. Like that's what I love about product-led growth because especially when it comes to like onboarding and, and product education, it just makes it so much easier for the salespeople to kind of like move those sales forward at the end of the day. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're moving on to the next one. <laughs> number three. Number three in German. Number three. I, I'm going to, so it's going to be the first one now, <laughs> which is consider attribution before you have to. So, right. Like we're building this plot. We're building, like, it's kind of like we're built, we're growing a garden. I could say, you know, like first we started with a data import, then inbound out, outbound. Then the next thing that you should consider is just general attribution at the end of the day, which is what Laura, your company does at the end of the day. And what we both know stream data is really good at basically understanding what those channels in your inbound funnel are. And also, you know, what channels in your outbound funnel, you know, is it email phone? I don't know, LinkedIn that's working the best at the end of the day. And so determining from a very early stage, like how to actually do your attribution, is it with the dream data? Is it with the HubSpot native? And then going through the motions of then like understanding that and iterating and analyzing, that's primo at the end of the day. What are the data pieces that you think companies have to think about thinking in attribution like ahead of the time? Yeah, for sure. So I'd say that first things first, and this is something I think, Laura, that you know better than me. It's like it takes like three month, three to six months to like, create a full sales cycle before you even have your attribution data like ready to understand and to use. And so the earlier like you install your pixel, the earlier that you click yes and turn on like the attribution models that you're working with, the better you'll be in terms of iterating on those processes later in time. Um, so first things first, that's it. I'd say getting the pixel on the websites, the first thing you do Right, understanding the sources of the leads coming to your website, getting the form integrated with your CRM, making sure that you can, you know, check that data in the form against what's actually going on on the website. And then like the third thing would then be, you know, understanding which channels are then doing and iterating on it. And then the fourth would then be those outbound channels, right? Like making sure that yeah. you have the attribution for the for the webinar signups, for like, you know, the form, like not the form for like the events and then also for the cold calls, et cetera. Yeah. How strict do you think companies should be with UTM mapping? How strict do you think that they should be with UTM mapping? Zero I mean, to like, 100? I don't know. <laughs> it depends on how much inbound you're doing and how much, like, you know, you're spending on marketing, I would say. Like, I like to think that, like, the more you spend on marketing, like, you should, the better you should be about understanding where everything's coming from, right? So my benchmark is basically like 20 to 30K a month in spend is when like you need to get really serious about it because that's like the, that's like the price of, I don't know, like two small, really small cars or like, I don't know, like a motorcycle or something at the end of, I guess it's two, two motorcycles. I don't know, I don't know, yeah. I mean, like you can get like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, like maybe like half of a car these days or like a used Camry. I don't know. Um, but, you know, if you're spending that much on a monthly basis, that's a lot of money. And you need to understand how you're spending it and what you're spending it on. Right. Like, is it better to invest in like, you know, webinars like this? Or is it better to like throw money into LinkedIn ads or into mm -hmm. other sources at the end of the day? Like this is what attribution can help you with. And you need to set it up early before you think you need it so that you understand it when you want it. Um, so it's like a it's a multi-month, quarter-long process to like really get up and running. And I'd say, tell people, if you really are going to spend money, if you're going to ramp your spend, you need to have that earlier than later. 
I like that. And I like the retrospective view into kind of the spend of your marketing as well, because you will not probably get an attribution platform before your spend is significant for your company as well, because that is when it really starts to hurt. Because I have no idea how those ads are performing lower down the funnel. And from my experience, when prospects come in over to Dream Data, it's like a dream of somebody has already looked up what you do. They know what they need of attribution. They submit their form. They probably even start a trial with you. So the full product-led growth shebang. And then they come over to the salesperson and the salesperson opens up the trial and say, whoa, this is like 80% perfect. <laughs> like we can see your traffic, where it's coming from. We connected the CRM and now look at this. We can almost explain how each and every ad has performed on your current new business closed. This is like the dream. So be that company. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's actually why I love Dream Data and that you've opened it up to like having like a free version at the end of the day, because, you know, if you don't have that spend today, you can start the tracking now and then activate like the full feature set when you have the spend, which is extremely smart from a product strategy perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Grow with yeah. the with the tracking and then connect the CRM when either when you have it or or <laughs> when you finally think that it hurts and you need it. All right, so we're moving on to number four. I'm just going to go through the three ones. So first of all, make sure that the <laughs> enters the systems have inbound and outbound flags to understand your early funnel. Start thinking about attribution before you feel you need to. And what is number four, Noah? Number four is going to be the having a well-defined life cycle uh, will save you in the long run. So actually, this is really funny because I don't know if life cycles are native to HubSpot or if, I mean, I think that Marketo has something like a life cycle, but let's quickly define what a life cycle is for those mm -hmm. that don't know. Basically, it's like the marketing journey at the end of the day. So from, you know, a subscriber to a lead to, you know, someone that you've been in contact with all the way through to customer and then evangelist of your product. It's a way for the marketers to understand exactly where this like person, this like individual is in the life cycle of their marketing journey. You know, like I think having an understanding of where these people are in the journey is very important, but also like correctly defining them, correctly describing them so that then you can change your marketing activities based off of this, right? I see a lot of companies that it's kind of, it's back to black boxes. They, they don't understand if, if a prospect has been in their system and been in contact, you know, with sales before. They don't know if they've been opening emails. They don't know even if it's like marketing qualified or like if there's product market fit at the end of the day. And so really having an understanding of who these prospects are and where they are in their life cycle is mm -hmm. key to kind of understanding how to actually market and engage with these people. Would you bucket them as persons? or accounts or leads uh so in hubspot it the it's generally like the contact so the contact has a life cycle and then there's this option to like surface it to the company so i would say that and i like that as the best practice at the end of the day so really like it's an individual you target the individual maybe you have individuals in different stages right like if you're for instance doing account-based marketing or account-based sales you could target a buying committee of like 10 people. And like three of these people might be in the MQL stage, marketing qualified, and you, you haven't gotten in touch with them. But one or two of them might be actually in your active sales process. So they would be sales qualified leads. And you would probably want to do very different marketing to these people at the end of the day, actually. Your marketing qualified probably needs 
much more like you, you can be more hands off, right? You can do like marketing email engagements. You can do like LinkedIn ads, like very much about like educating on the product. If it's mm -hmm. in the sales cycle, you probably even want to turn off some of that marketing kind of sales focus on the deal at the end of the day. So that that's how smart. I would use it. Yeah. yeah. And like, don't spam people who are already interested and like almost are advocates for what you're doing. Exactly. Very yeah. cool. Very yeah. cool. We're going to number five. <laughs> going number five. Yes. So no, uh, what is the final mistake that people should avoid? It's actually uh, very much like a revenue operations topic, actually. So, you know, all of these have really been about like MarOps, but from a RevOps perspective, I would say, you know, it's important that sales and marketing are working together, right? Unless it's like true exclusive product-led growth, there's no sales team. You need to have a sequence in place to follow up in all, your, all, all of your inbound leads. I see it a lot where there's a lack of accountability for like these beautiful inbound leads, people interested in your product, and then this follow-up and like getting them like to actually like convert into deals at the end of the day. And so having like a very clear like handover between marketing and sales and also bringing those two teams together to then like work these leads at the end of the day is like the, one of the most important things I would say at the end of the day for success. Very nice. And when you're saying most important, what does that help companies with? Conversions. Uh, I mean, basically, right, mar marketing at the end of the day, right, they're building a funnel. They're they're putting in people into like, you know, you know, the top of the funnel. And then it's up to sales to close at the end of the day. And having a sequence in place for all the leads coming in holds the sales team accountable for those leads that you, that marketing is feeding them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, it makes it so that there's this feedback loop and there's a dialogue also around like, you know, quality of the leads coming in. Like, are we, are we getting the right MQLs? Are they converting into the right SQLs? And then holding everybody accountable for like, you know, what's actually happening in the sale, the marketing and sales cycle. Yeah. I love that also because it brings the two teams closer together internally, marketing and sales. And for the buyer, it has to be that seamless experience that I'm not being handed over from automatic marketing sequences now to something personal in sales. It's just, it just works because you know where I am as a prospect and how to talk with me. I think this is key. It's got to work that way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Having those clear handovers is like, especially from like a white glove perspective, right? I mean, like we've been kind of focusing on like B2B software sales <laughs> in this conversation at the end of the day, or just things, or just sales processes with longer, like higher ticket, like longer processes and higher ticket values. But really that's like the key, right? Like have clear handovers, clearly defined data, and then an understanding of what's actually in your system. Absolutely. And I have summed them all up to put them on the screen if anybody would like to screenshot them as well. So now here are the learnings that we have been speaking about. So make sure the clean data enters the systems, have an inbound outbound flag to understand your early funnel, consider attribution before you need to, and well-defined life cycles will save you in the long run. And the final one, well, understand and create rules around how your data enters the systems so you don't lose track of your leads. And I would add that it not only helps you not to lose the deals, but also helps you sell more personal to the prospects that you're selling to because the handover between marketing and sales is becoming much more seamless from the buyer's perspective. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And since we don't have more questions, Noah, I would like to move this conversation a little bit more into the, like, when you start working with a company and you can see that you don't start working with them when they need everything from scratch because you feel like you've got the grip of it when you don't have that many leads. But when you come in and you can see that there are a lot of things that we need to fix for marketing operations to actually function, where do you start? What a great question. I always start every project the same way with like a go-to-market analysis. Basically, like it's a set of like well-structured questions and a deep dive into both their marketing operations and sales processes at the end of the day to understand like where are the pains and what needs to be fixed. In this like, you know, analysis, we identify basically like what is it that's going well and that we don't need to touch and then what's not going so well. So very simple things like diving into the CRM and looking at where the data is and isn't is probably like the first thing I do at the end of the day to kind of figure out, okay, from a strategic perspective, like where are the pain? And then also just talking to people. Usually like the marketeers and the salespeople know like where the kind of like the the burden is in their sales process and their marketing process. And so just talking to people at the end of the day is like always very good to see like where, what people are doing. And I'd say like everything that kind of we've talked about too, like when I speak with my clients, like they're all aware that these are issues and they're also trying to solve them themselves. I just use through, you know, go to market consulting. I can help enable that at the end of the day. Right. And who are the people in which teams that you involve the most in the product? project everyone it's everyone um i every revenue generation team like team member is eventually influenced by go-to-market consulting i usually work with leaders at the end of the day so sales leaders and marketing leaders but you know we do trainings with all of the teams like i also enable you know the you know the people sending the emails on the marketing side the people setting up the forums like everybody everybody has some some issues sometimes so this is always there to help. Yeah. Great. Noah, before we finish off the session, is there anything that we forgot to mention that is really key for people kicking off operations to keep in mind? I would just say to always take a bird's eye view, right? It's like, I think that a lot of people in their jobs, they're very like, you know, in the weeds and like focused on like, you know, the nitty gritty. And it always helps to just like take a step back and like, look at kind of the processes that you have, look at, you know, how things are set up and challenge the status quo. I think that a lot of the time, like you can do incremental improvements yourself just by thinking through, you know, what am I doing? And could I be doing it better at the end mm -hmm. of the day? And so that's, that's like, that's the place to start really. Like if you, if you can definitely like, if these five things really resonate with you, go after them, but there's going to be more, of course, there's going to mm -hmm. always be like different things to iterate and adjust. And so really just try to take the step back and say, does this make sense? And if it doesn't, then think through how to solve it. Right. I love that. Absolutely. All right. So we are on the top of the half hour. Noah, yeah. I want to thank you for today's conversation and I wish you success with all the companies that need help cleaning up. It's like, you will never <laughs> be out of work. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll see you later, Laura. Take care. Thanks. See ya. Thank Bye. you, everybody. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.